We are live from the great state of Tennessee, home of Hattie B's Hot Chicken, Dolly Parton, Camouflage Overalls, Sweet Tea, and that team in Knoxville that wears the wrong color orange. I'm your host, Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranoid, the podcast where we're going to solve some of the biggest conspiracy theories in history. So just a little bit about me. I am absolutely just a huge conspiracy nut. I love sci-fi. I love aliens. I love UFOs. I love anything that's just out of the ordinary. That's really basically all that I ever watch. And if you know me, that's all that I ever really talk about. Now, with that being said, I don't necessarily believe everything that we will go over. So when you look at the title at some of these and see the things that we cover, you will think this guy has completely lost his mind, which you may think that anyway without those. But I just want you to know that the premise of this is not just me giving my opinions on what I think is true. I just, there's certain things that I see that look interesting and I will go over them and let you think about it for yourself. So just going forward, remember that everything we cover is not something that I believe. So please don't come at me on Twitter or social media or sending me crazy emails calling me an absolute lunatic, unless it's sports related. Speaking of that, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Patrick Simpson. Most of the time, all I really do is talk about sports, but with this podcast starting up, I'll definitely be on there engaging in conspiracy conversations. My goal is, as time goes on, that, you know, towards the end of episodes, you know, we can, you know, hang out, call in, you know, give your opinion on certain type of things. I want this to be interactive. I don't want to just spend the next years or however long I do this podcast just talking to myself. I do want to interact. It's just such a fascinating thing. I'm sure there's people out there that believe the same things I believe, and it'd be interesting to interact and share those opinions on here. So today we're going to cover a story that will be the foundation of everything that we will ever talk about. If you can believe this story that we talk about today, then basically you can believe just about anything else going forward. This is the story of the Majestic 12. So before we really dig into this story, I have to give you some background information on exactly how this all started so you know where everyone is coming from. You have to go back to 1947. And this is a situation that if you're any kind of average conspiracy theorist or have done any kind of research, you have definitely heard about this. It's probably the most popular incident in American history. This is the Roswell incident. So in June 1947, something landed in the middle of Roswell, New Mexico. Basically, this really small ranch town, nothing going on out there. It was found out by some locals, and eventually they reported to the sheriffs. So this becomes this really, really big thing in this city. Everybody goes crazy. And on the front page of the Roswell Daily Record, which is that local's newspaper, the headline says the RAAF captures flying saucer on a ranch in Roswell region. And that's basically how they described it. They described it literally as a flying, flying saucer. And they basically ran with that story. I mean, they walked up on it. They didn't really get super close, but from what they saw, it was a flying saucer, whatever that even really means. So, of course, the FBI shows up to see what's going on. They take over the scene, 
and they eventually tell the city that is a, wait for it, weather balloon. And I have to go on a small little rant about this because when I was growing up, I always heard, like looked at these conspiracy theories and the government would always say, oh, what they saw was a weather balloon. And I was just like, whatever, I guess that makes sense. But then as I got older, I actually looked up what a weather balloon is. And it literally is just a gigantic balloon. I was thinking it was like just this, I don't know what I thought it was, but I thought it was like a gigantic plate that the military had or something, but it's literally just like a hot air balloon just floating around. And it just, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me how someone sees a flying saucer or something that's round, a UFO, whatever they saw, and the best that the United States government can come up with is that it's a balloon. Like, does that, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy. I'm a lunatic. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me how you can get these things mixed up with basically a hot air balloon. It doesn't make any kind of sense to me. But anyway, that's what they run with. These people in the city are idiots, I guess, because they just believe it. The story literally dies off. No one else ever really talks about it. So that's basically the gist of the Roswell incident. So we move ahead to December of 1984, where a UFO or a ufologist by the name of Jamie Shandera, just a regular day, comes home with an envelope addressed to him. Um, there's no return address, no name on it as far as who it's from, just a regular envelope just addressed to him. So he and a couple of his other friends that are also ufologists, and some of them really have connections, know people. So, you know, he picks them up so that they can look into this and give their input on it. Um, and basically what was in it was some film, pictures, eight pieces of paper with a document, and it looked like something like a memo or something that was related to the military. What they were about to discover changed their life forever. So what they discover is that it is a classified document from the first ever FBI director by the name of John Hoover in 1952. This letter was a letter written by him, and it was addressed to President-elect Truman, who was about to take over as president in January of the following year. For those of you that don't know, John Hoover was chosen by President Eisenhower to run the FBI. So basically, we were in a transitioning period to where the Truman administration, you know, decides who they're going to keep and who's going to move on as far as in the new administration. President Truman decides to keep John Hoover with him as a member of as the head of the FBI. So basically, this document explains to Truman that Eisenhower formed a group of people called the Majestic 12 in response to the Roswell incident in 1947. So basically, what this says is that when the FBI came on site in New Mexico that year, they discovered that the flying disc was actually alien technology, and they took this disc, UFO flying saucer, they took it with them, and they've been trying to use it for scientific research. Basically, to learn more about it, see how they could use it, and honestly, probably try to weaponize it, which we'll learn later on. In addition to this incident, the Majestic 12 was basically a task force in charge of handling any crash scenes where UFOs may have been seen. So the, um, the Majestic 12 were made up of his closest and trusted men, mainly really good scientists, ex-military, current military People that were basically really close to him that he knew wouldn't say anything, and they were basically all sworn to secrecy. So when Eisenhower gets this information, 
I mean, it's pretty normal. I mean, my mind would be blown too. I become president and I find out that the government has been hiding aliens from the United States as a whole. So he's basically, his mind just absolutely blown. He sits and debates whether he should tell the public this information. Because, I mean, he feels like they have the right to know, which that's up to for you to decide. But under the extreme recommendation of the Majestic 12, they persuade him not to go public. And I guess in that sense, I also really don't blame them. I mean, would the world really accept the fact that aliens are just hovering above us or even walking among us? I mean, we freak out over scratches or, I don't know, just the most random stuff. I mean, humans are not very smart. They don't handle stress very well. We're we're in the streets rioting over the virus. I mean, people losing their minds. I mean, the fact of knowing that there actually is life out there and the fear that, you know, what do they want? Are they are we going to go to war? Are they out to get us? I mean, because you've seen all these crazy movies. I mean, the public as a whole really wouldn't handle this information very well. So I don't really blame the Majestic 12 for trying to keep this secret. So as far as what's going on in 1984, they get this document, but nothing really comes out of it. I mean, these people are like professionals. They have careers. If they come out with this information and it gets debunked super easily, you know, that's their reputation is destroyed and they basically look like idiots. So they hold on to this. They do some more digging, but um, not much really comes out of it from them mainly due to the fact of they didn't really tell many people. So the big break really comes in 1994 when Linda Howe, um, who is also a ufologist, gets a second roll of film. This is also anonymous piece of paper that gets sent to anonymous envelope that gets sent to her. She also gets a roll of film with pictures and another Majestic 12 document. But this time, with it being 1994, we got more resources, we got computers, we got more things that we can do to do some digging. So they really go in on this to try to figure out, can they confirm that this is a real document? The first thing that they do is at the top, they have the stamp slash seal from the United States, basically that they put as the letterhead on all official government documents. So they go back and basically that exact same type stamp seal is the same ones that were used on all the letterheads for the Eisenhower administration. But you would think, okay, that's easy to copy, right? Well, this was the big one. They also noticed that the Zs are slightly higher than all the other letters in the document. And it's kind of hard to describe without seeing the picture. But basically you read it and you can see the Z is like, way, not way higher, but a little bit higher than the other letters. I mean, it's, it's pretty noticeable. So what they do is they try to figure out, you know, can they connect this to any other White House type documents? What they realize is that all the White House documents from the 1950s also had the raised Z. And after doing some digging and interviewing and talking to people, apparently the typewriter that they had in the White House I had some kind of dust issue or some kind of mechanical issue, something, but the Z button was not aligning with all the other words. And they have actual documents from the Eisenhower administration, just regular, just not important memos, just regular everyday type memos that also have this raised Z. And then they also look around, you know, other type of Washington documents to see if this was something that was maybe going on 
you know, not with just White House documents. And they could not find anything else that even matched other that matched that Z other than the Eisenhower administration documents. So these two combine along with some other small little things that they look up makes them believe that this is actually a legitimate document. So now that we know that this information is legit, we go and we dig into exactly what is in this new document that we have. First off, there's four sketches of different types of UFOs. The two main ones are what they call a cigar shape, and then there's your regular circular shape, and there's also your triangle shape. And these are typical of the type of shapes. The drawings are really descriptive of basically what people say they see when they have these really close UFO sightings. The big thing is it also insinuates that the U.S. government was in collaboration with these extraterrestrial beings. In fact, the meeting points were mutually agreed on, which makes perfect sense when you really think about it. When it comes to like these UFO sightings, like the like the legit up close UFO sightings, they're always like in New Mexico and like just the most random off the beat places. They never you never really have like a really real encounter in like L.A., Miami, New York, Chicago, any of those type of places. And of course, the aliens, whatever they are, don't really care where they land. In the United States is when they when they talk to them or whatever they do, want them to be off the beaten path. So this makes sense why these alien um, sightings are always just in the most random places because they were in collaboration with where they were going to meet at. It does not go into any kind of detail on what they talked about, but it does say that they were speaking in constant communication with the extraterrestrial beings. So James Forrestal, one of the members of the Majestic 12, who ironically is also the first ever Secretary of Defense who was hired under and created under the Truman administration. Apparently in 1949, a couple of years after all this started, he threatened to go public with all this information. I guess it was just bearing on him, having the thought of aliens walking around. I guess it was just on his conscience that people should know. So shortly after he starts having these thoughts, he falls conveniently from a 16-story hospital, and it is listed as a suicide. Now, I, this stuff honestly never, ever, 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 ever makes any sense to me. And it's like, what are we as humans doing? Like, I, I know they call us people that look into this stuff conspiracy theories, but people would just be just like tripping over a Lego and then cracking their skull, and they list it as a suicide, but yet these people have like inside information. Like we see this stuff all the time, and it's like people are just reading the newspaper, like, oh, man, this guy said he had information on Hillary Clinton, and he somehow exploded. Like, and they just live on with their life, and I'm just sitting here like, this is just way too convenient, how people just claim to have information, and then they just die. This man was just walking around the hospital, just drinking some orange juice, having a good old time, and falls from the 16th floor. I mean... Someone, I mean, come on, people, let's think. It just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But no one's questions it, of course. The man is gone. And, of course, everybody else is like, well, dang, I'm definitely not speaking up anymore because I want to live. So now getting back into the document, there are, the, the last page was burned. Like, you can look at it um, and tell that someone, they, like, threw it in the fire and burned it and... 
someone took it out and stopped it from being burnt. So there's still a lot of pages that you can read, but a lot of it is burnt. So what we can see is that this document is from 1964 and it's stating that Lancer was asking too many questions and if he continues to keep digging, quote, it will be wet. And for those of you that don't know what it will be wet means, back then during the Cold War, it was a Soviet Union term for assassination. So now I'm going to let you put the pieces together real quick. If you haven't figured this out and think about who had the call name Lancer in the Secret Service. Yes, of course, it was John F. Kennedy. Now, that's as far as I'm going to go here, because that is an entirely different episode that I want to do on my own. But it's just something to think about how convenient this all is. Now, obviously, as more and more people start talking about this information, the government has to come out to deny this because they just can't have this over their heads. So what I'm expecting is for the government to, you know, give some detailed, you know, proof that this is false and, you know, this was how they doctored this document. All they do is put out one word, bogus, bogus. That's that's literally all they say. No explanation or anything. Literally, they take the documents and they write the word bogus all over them. And what's crazy is these documents are literally on the FBI website right now. You can go check FBI.gov. If you Google Majestic 12 with FBI.gov, the documents are literally on the FBI website, but they have the word bogus written all over them. And to me, I'm just like I said, maybe I'm just a crazy. I'm just a conspiracy theorist. But I'm like, can I get some more? I mean, some more proof, some more information. I mean, what does bogus mean? I mean, bogus doesn't mean anything to me. But of course, America's like, well, they said bogus. So I guess it's bogus and we just move on and that's it. I just, that just doesn't make any sense to me. One word response is all they get and it's off their back. Makes absolutely no sense. So thinking about today, it is speculated that the Majestic 12 program is actually still going on now, but they constantly change their name and the numbers so that people cannot pick up on it, you know, when they hack or find any kind of government documents to help keep it undercover. So in 2015, a professional hacker by the name of Gary McCannon actually hacked the US Navy and Air Force database. There was a bunch of random information, interesting information, but nothing really important regarding what I'm talking about now, except for one thing. He found that there were a list of ships and they were all named after the original Majestic 12 members. Now, obviously, these ships could just be ships that are at sea, your regular Navy-type ships. But conveniently being named after the Majestic 12 makes me think it might possibly, just possibly, might just be a different kind of ship. So, what does this all mean? Ellen Sofan, who at the time that she said this was the chief scientist from NASA, claimed that we would find out about extraterrestrial life within the next decade. She said this in 2017. Now, here in 2020, we've already seen the Air Force announce that there was a UFO. They didn't say it was aliens. They just said it was a UFO, uh, an unidentified flying object. So it could be mean anything. But the fact that they're even kind of, usually they would just not say anything and just ignore this. So it is interesting that out of nowhere, they just randomly decide, all right, we're going to tell someone that there was a UFO flying around. What I believe, being the conspiracy theorist that I am, is that they are trying to ease us into the transition 
of actually telling us because if they gave it all to us at one time, it really would be overwhelming. I mean, just think if you were sitting with your family watching The Bachelor or watching whatever you watch and News 2 just pops up and they just say, aliens have been here since 1947. We've been covering it up. They're among us right now. I mean, maybe you personally might not do anything crazy or might not react crazy, but your average American is not going to handle this information very well. So basically what I believe, and you can agree, disagree, is that, like I said, they're giving this to us in very, very, very small snippets. So that way, you know, most people, you know, like me, are already talking about it, but more talking about it in a joking manner. And then, you know, maybe next year they'll show more pictures of actual, like, they'll show like an old picture from like the 50s saying, we believe this might have been a UFO, but we cannot confirm. Like, they'll slowly ease, ease us into whatever they're going to tell us in 2020. Now, I know after this is over, you're probably going to go and Google all this, you know, just to, you know, learn more about it by yourself. And a lot of conspiracy theorists have basically thrown this off as a hoax. Um, there's a bunch of random things that they've basically tried to fact check and look into. And even some of the biggest conspiracy theories don't really believe this. And while I do believe probably a lot of parts or some may not be true, in the grand scheme of things, I do think the government really does more does know more than what they're telling us. And like I said at the beginning, if you believe this, like, so you don't have to believe every single detail of this, but if you can believe that there is a government agency, if that is why they made the Secretary of Defense, if that's why we're making the Space Force now, if you can believe that small little part that there actually is an existence of it, then it can help you with this podcast going along. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. You know, if you're just listening to me just because you just want to learn more, then maybe, you know, I can change your mind as we go on. That's also fair. And that is all I got on the Majestic 12. Like I said, this is the first episode of this podcast. I honestly have no clue what I'm doing. I love talking about this. I want to share this with you. So if you just absolutely just hated this and it was just terrible, I mean, maybe you won't come back, but I'm asking you to stick with me. We're really going to have fun with this. I'm going to get better at this. And as time goes on, I really think this is going to become become something that all of us can enjoy. Follow me on Twitter, underscore Patrick Simpson. I'm going to be talking a lot about this, giving you some updates on what I'm going to talk to, talk about week to week. Please subscribe, leave some stars. Unless you hated this, don't leave any stars. But if you loved it, I would really appreciate it if you dropped some five stars in there. Or you could just lie. If you hated it, drop a five star anyway. Come back with me next week as we dive into the 20 and the 20 and back secret space program. My name is Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranoid.